And welcome to the Employment Hour. Lots to get through this hour. The number is one 821 5900 and Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com through email. Some questions coming up later. You can start sending them now. We try to rip through a few over the next hour. We'll get determination and severance. Lots of information you need to know. If you have a severance letter in front of you, you have a friend or family member currently going through losing a job, you have questions, this is a show you need to listen to for the next hour and every week, uh, for that matter, because there's always stuff you go, God, I didn't know bad about getting fired well it'll come up on the show for sure but we always start uh, Lior my friend with the week that was that's right then John you know I, I've said before that January for me is a busy time of year simply because a lot of employers make changes into the workplace early in the year in January and February and man this uh, this week was a classic example of that I mean I, I, I've been literally uh, working non-stop and uh, I've been very very busy but I always like to start off the show, obviously talk about a couple of specific examples, a couple of specific situations that I dealt with this week, because as, as I say, there's some important lessons to be learned. Uh, one of these examples, I'll talk about it, was from the perspective of the employee, the other one from the perspective of the employer. The first situation I'll tell you about uh, involved a gentleman that had contacted me some, some time ago after he was let go. Now, when he started working, uh, it was about nine years ago when he started working, he signed an employment agreement. And that employment agreement uh, had a termination clause. That's a term in the agreement that uh, speaks to what severance he'd get in the future. Now, uh, it tried to limit him after uh, almost nine years of employment to 16 weeks of pay. So when he was let go, his employer said, okay, we're going to pay you 16 weeks pay as per your agreement. And because we're nice guys, we'll offer you another two weeks pay uh, if you sign off on our severance offer. So he contacted me and Here's, here's what I told him. I said, ultimately, if that agreement was enforceable, uh, then, yeah, they're offering you technically more than what it says. If it's not enforceable, you're owed a lot more. Luckily, it wasn't enforceable. I'm not going to get too technical, but enough to say that it was drafted in a way that made it unenforceable. Whoever drafted mm-hmm. it didn't do the best job. So uh, we, uh, we went ahead to resolve it, and I took the position that the agreement is not enforceable. And on Monday this week, we resolved this on the basis of $300,000. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the guy obviously made a good, made good income, but that one mistake for the employer cost the employer and made this employee $300,000. Now, uh, what, what he did is he didn't just assume because his employer is telling him that this employment agreement is enforceable because his employer is telling him that the agreement limits his entitlements, that that is actually the case. He made, me, he made the call, he called me, he let me take a look at it, and I concluded that it wasn't enforceable. That's what people have to do. You bet. Oftentimes, these employment agreements that try to limit severance are not enforceable, but you need to make the call. You need to find out if it is or it isn't, and I'll tell you. If it is, I'll tell you that it is. If it's not, then it's not. Now, for employer, uh, employers, the lesson here is very, very important. You have to have it drafted properly. And an employment agreement that was drafted 10 years ago is probably not good still at this point. The law changes, the requirements change. So you, if you're a proactive employer, you want to have your employment agreements reviewed and revised every one or two years. Uh, in this case, again, $300,000, really an incredible story. Uh, suffice to say that that was a, a very profitable call that he made uh, when, when he contacted me. Uh, and uh, but he's not unusual. The amount itself may be unusual because he made uh, good income, 
But this concept of the agreement not being enforceable and people being owed much more, very, very common. Well, two things. Everybody, regardless, it should be a knee-jerk reaction when they get that letter, get that severance package. They should call you no matter what, whether they're happy or otherwise. And B, when it comes to drafting those uh, employment agreements for employers, you do that as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I spend a lot of my time working with employers, drafting agreements. So definitely, you have to have that. You have to have it reviewed. You have to have it professionally drafted. You can't just go on Google, find something, and say, well, I'm sure that's good enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, Believe me, I'm not just saying that. A lot of employers do that. They want to save a few bucks. Some template. uh, And they find some template on Google that was drafted by someone in uh, Mississippi, and then they assume that's fine. Well, it's probably not. In fact, it there's no chance that it is fine here. So you have to draft it properly. Uh, and, and if you don't, this this case, $300,000. So I'm doubting the people that work for you in your office have any loopholes in their contract. There are no Judging loopholes. by who wrote it, right? No. Yeah, yeah. Those that sure. work for me, if you're listening right now, don't get any ideas. There, <laughs> there are no loopholes. Give us our uh, second one of the week. Second situation, John, I got a call from uh, one of my employer clients. Uh, and uh, they have an employee that's on maternity leave. And they said, listen, Leo, we, we want to let her go. So my first question was, why? Why do you need to let her go? I said, well, she wasn't really doing a good job. Uh, we weren't happy with her performance. We don't think she's going to uh, be a, a good asset for us. So we have to let her go. And I told them, no, you are not letting her go. Uh, it, no one's going to believe that you're letting her go for legitimate reasons. Uh, now, it's one thing if you're closing a department, letting everyone go, fine. But in this case, it looks like you're picking on her because she took a maternity leave. Right. You can't do that. That's a human rights violation. One would ask, well, if she was a bad employee, why didn't you let her go before? Well, why now when she's on maternity leave? Uh, and, uh, you know, they were ready to draft termination papers. I'm glad they called me because they would have definitely been hit with a human rights violation. They would have been hit with a lawsuit potentially. And what I told them is what you need to do is you need to take her back, give her every opportunity, and if still things don't work out that she's back, well, then you may have to decide to let her go. But you cannot let her go now, and that lesson applies to all employers. Unless you can show an objective, real reason that no one can question as to why you are letting an employee go while they're on maternity leave, you can't let them go. You should not let them go. That's a human rights violation. Again, same thing if you're an employee. If you've been let go while on maternity leave, there may well be human rights issues here uh, in addition to potentially a wrongful dismissal. And there could be uh, monetary damages uh, oh, yeah. attached to that, right? Big time, big time. And it's simply not worth it for employers to do that. And that's what I told this particular company. And, and so they will not be letting this person go. Uh, and, and they'll be seeing what happens in the future after she comes back. It's a good show for you if you've uh, never tuned in before or the first couple times you've tuned in because we're going to cover some broad strokes when it comes to termination and severance. In the meantime, the number is one 821 5900 to get a hold of Lior anytime. And Lior at employmenthour.com through email, which we'll get to reading some of those a little bit later on as well. This is the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Says the employment hour. The number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Lior's personal email: l i o r lior at employmenthour dot com. We're going to broad stroke some termination and severance uh, policies and questions and queries we've had over the uh, last, I guess, couple of years of the show. Now, as you, you stated off the beginning of the show, January is a month where many people lose their jobs. We talk about being uh, people being offered inadequate severance, like you just had a couple uh, cases with the week that was. So if it's so straightforward, there's a calculator out there. They can give you a call. Why don't employers just offer proper severance right off the hop? You know, and every single time when I talk about severance and the fact that it's not difficult to assess entitlements, it's not difficult to to get what you're owed, no one should just accept inadequate severance. 
People always ask me exactly what you just asked me, John. Well, if it's that straightforward, what I'm owed is straightforward, and if it's that much more than what the employer is offering, why are they doing this? Why isn't an employer offering adequate severance right off the bat? Well, you know, there's several answers for that. Uh, you know, there the, the, the could be several reasons. One of them may be as simple as the employer itself may not know or appreciate what their legal obligations are. Hmm. That's certainly common with uh, smaller employers. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the, the Royal Bank of Canada is going to know what, what it has to pay. But uh, smaller employers that don't have a dedicated HR function, they don't consult with the lawyer, may be under the misapprehension that if they let go a three-year employee, they only have to pay three weeks' pay. That's wrong, 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 but they may not know that. So that may, may be one reason. Another reason may be, and I'll be very honest and blunt, is the employer may believe or hope that you, the employee, are not going to know any better. Betting on your ignorance. Yeah, yeah. they're going to hope. And, and, and by the way, that's not a, a bad gamble in that, in my experience, most people don't know any better. And in fact, most people are going to accept an inadequate oh, yeah. severance package. So if an employer lets go of 10 people and offers all of them inadequate severance, they could probably assume that seven, eight, maybe nine of those. They're probably bad 900 with yeah, that uh, ideology, right? Yeah. That, you know, that, that's a pretty good average. Yeah. So uh, please, please don't assume that just because things are straightforward, and they are straightforward, uh, that your employer must have offered you adequate severance. They really have not in many cases. It's on you to make sure you get what you're owed. It's not on them. So you have to uh, do your homework. You have to get the legal advice. You have to be sure once you've accepted that package that everything the law says you should have, you've received. So how difficult is it to find out that number yeah. or any of the details? Well, it comes down to that. You know, I've been offered three months pay or three weeks pay or whatever it is. How do I know if that's adequate? How do I know if I should be getting more, if it's more than I'm owed, or if it's exactly what I'm owed? Well, uh, obviously, we, several ways. You can call us on the show. You can call me at the office. Or even better, go to severancepaycalculator.com. I created this tool for you. It works for everyone. It doesn't matter if you work full-time, part-time, whether you make $300,000 or $30,000, whether you're young or old. It works just fine, just the same. Severancepaycalculator.com. You input your age, your position, and the type of job, and it's going to tell you right there how much you're owed. So if you're walking out of that severance meeting where you've been offered the 12 weeks pay and you have no idea if that's good or bad, well, now you can find out within about 20 seconds. SeverancePayCalculator.com, it's going to tell you. And if it's fine, it's fine. If it's not fine and you want to, you can contact me straight from the Severance Calculator. Just press the little green button. Otherwise, it's completely anonymous. So l no excuses now. Absolutely no excuses. one 821 5900 So, uh, you know, sometimes in the, in, the, in the model of restructuring, companies will either just simply let people go, lay them off, which we'll get to in a little while. We know what that term means. Or they'll give them a pay cut and keep them hanging on, keep some of the team at uh, a lesser wage. So if someone takes a pay cut and then sometime later they're let go, how does that, how does that affect their severance? How is it calculated? Yeah, and, you know, very sad situations when that happens. So... I, I take a pay cut. I'm not happy about it. I don't like it. I don't want to, but I, I accept it. By the way, you don't have to accept it, but if you do, and at some point down the road, the employer lets you go. Now you're owed severance. Unfortunately, you're owed severance now based on this reduced salary. So even though you may have worked for 15 years making 80000 and only three months making 60000 now that you lost your job, your severance is going to be calculated on the basis of $60,000. So that's one of the problems and one of the risks of taking a, a pay cut. Not only uh, you're making less money, it can impact your severance as well. 
So, uh, uh, you know, this concept of constructive dismissal applies, John, as mm-hmm. you know, if your uh, job is changing, if your compensation is being reduced, you don't have to accept it. You could potentially just leave and get your severance. And that may be better to do that than take the pay cut, then lose your job, and then uh, get less severance. Okay, expand on that, because I know uh, probably a few of our listeners, you know, their, their ears pricked up when you said, uh, you know, you get this pay cut, you don't have to accept it. They're going, what do you mean I don't have to accept it? Well, it's very simple. An employer does not have the right to make negative unilateral changes to the terms of employment. So an employer can make good changes, they can increase your pay, they can promote you, they can give you more vacation. But they can't do the opposite. They can't demote you. They can't give you less vacation. They can't reduce your pay. So what happens if they want to do that anyway, if the employer tries to do that? You have a choice. That choice is simple. You can accept that change if you want and continue working. Or you may be able to say, no, employer, I'm not going to accept that change. I'm going to leave and treat that as a termination. I'm going to require you, employer, to pay me my severance. That's what we call a constructive dismissal. So no employer, I'm not going to take that pay reduction from eighty to sixty thousand. I'm leaving, uh, and then that's a termination. So now you have to pay me severance, calculated on the basis of the eighty thousand dollars. So that choice always is there. But please don't make that choice. Don't make that decision without speaking to me first. I don't want people going off and resigning because they think it's a constructive dismissal. Right. You have to call me first. There's certain legal things that had to be. Looked at from uh, from yourself before they make that decision, right? Right. Not every single change results in a constructive dismissal. We have to look at a few things, including the history, whether there were other changes imposed in the past. So if you're faced with this negative change, you have to call me. There's no uh, no exception. We'll get back to uh, more of our broad strokes when it comes to termination and severance, but uh, we'll start off the next segment uh, after the break with a couple emails. So you'll want to send them along, Lior at employmenthour.com. In the meantime, the number one 821 5900. This is the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The Employment Hour right here uh, to get a hold of Lior, 1-855-821-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com to send an email like Ron did. I promise we'll get to a couple right off the top of this segment. Uh, Ron writes in, Lior says, my employer let me go a week after I came back from a medical leave. I just found an ad online where they have posted for a replacement for my job. Can they do this? <laughs> yeah, and that's not, not a very smart employer, I would say, in, the, in this situation. And why is this a problem? It's a problem. Well, usually an employer, John, can, can let an employee go for any reason. So there's nothing wrong usually in simply letting the employee go and just hiring a replacement as long as severance is paid. Mm-hmm. What in this situation, based on uh, what Ron is saying, is he was let go when he came back from a medical leave. Now, I don't know exactly what happened here, but it does look like he was let go maybe because he took a medical mm-hmm. leave. That could be a human rights issue. If an employee comes back from medical leave and the employer thinks to itself, you know, we, we don't really want him because maybe he's sick, maybe he's going to go back on another medical leave, let's just let him go. Right. Uh, well, that's a problem. That's illegal. That's a human rights violation. We obviously know it wasn't a financial decision because they're hiring a replacement. So it would have to be something that, that he did, Ron did, to justify that termination. Otherwise, it's a human rights issue. So, Ron, give me a call. Two things I'm going to want to know and work with you on. Number one, find out if your severance is fair, actually. Irrespective of the reason they let you go, I want to know if they offered you proper severance because chances are they probably haven't. And the second thing, I want to delve more into the reasons for letting you go to see if this, uh, there's human rights issues here. So, yeah, Ron, we have to talk. one 821 5900 is that number, Ron. Again, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Debbie Wright says, Lior always talks about negotiating severance, but my employer told me 
that they've made me a good severance offer. They won't increase it. It's not going anywhere. Should I bother having my severance offer reviewed by you? Yeah, well, think about it this way. You know, let's talk about negotiation 101, John. We wouldn't expect the employer to say, here's a severance offer, but it's not very good. So if you want more, just tell us, <laughs> right? We wouldn't expect that. You're awesome. We wouldn't expect that at all. We'd expect the employer to say, no, it's a fair offer, and then that's it. But here's the thing it's either good or it's not. And if it's not good, guess what? They're going to have to pay you more and they will pay you more. So I don't know what Debbie's been offered, but she can go to severancepaycalculator.com. She can give me a call. You've been giving the number the, the entire show and find out that way if you've been offered adequate severance. If it's not adequate, forget about what they said. I promise you they'll pay more because they have to, not because they want to or because uh, uh, I tell them to, because they will have to. So that, that, that's meaningless. For those employees who work on commission, you know, what, what if they let go before you know a deal they, they've been working on has closed and then they still get the commission if the deal closes? It's a big one especially. Yeah, right? it's a huge deal, a huge issue. A lot of people obviously are in sales and they have either all their compensation or a significant portion of their compensation is commissions. So uh, you, what you don't want and what the laws recognize is we can't allow employers to let someone go so as to avoid paying money that they otherwise have to pay. So if I, you have drawn a, a $20,000 commission check uh, coming to you, we don't want your employer to say, you know what, we have to pay John 20000 next week on commission. Let's let him go today and save that $20,000. Nice. That can't work. So the answer is very simple. If you've done everything you need to do to earn that commission, then you've earned it. And your employer cannot let you go without paying it. Now, if you're not done that commission, if you haven't earned it yet, well, you know, unfortunately, you may not get it. But if you've earned it, you've done your share, even though the deal itself may not have fully closed yet. But if you've done your share, everything you're supposed to do on that deal as a salesperson, then guess what? You get your commission. Uh, And oftentimes, by the way, there's been several cases where our courts have actually punished or penalized employers when they try to uh, pick a convenient termination date so as to avoid paying monies they were otherwise owing. So employers, that's never a good strategy. And employees, if you're uh, always, if you're afraid or if you believe that that's what's happening with you, you you absolutely have to make a call and and, and talk to me. 1-855-821-5900. So someone that just heard the show right now and as we sit here and and speak and broadcast this show, they're looking down their severance offer and oh great, the due date is tomorrow. What do I do? Yeah. And and believe me, John, as as soon as uh, I, I walk out of uh, out of the studio and I go and check my messages at the office, there's going to be people people leaving messages just like that. Leroy, I just heard your show, and I have to accept the offer by tomorrow, by Monday, whatever it is. Uh, what do I do? I'm very stressed out. Well, you know what I'll tell those people, and what I'll tell our listeners right now, and I've said this before on the show, and I'll say it again. It's very simple. Don't worry about it. That deadline doesn't really mean anything. Your legal rights don't expire tomorrow, the next day, Friday, whatever it is. Your legal rights are what they are, and you have two years to pursue those rights. Two years, not a week, not two weeks. Now, the only time a deadline is relevant is if an employer is offering you more severance than what they're supposed to offer you, in which case you want to accept before they change their mind. John, I've been doing this for 14 years. I've looked at thousands of severance offers. I have yet to see a severance offer that's better than what it needs to be. So don't worry about that. Forget about that deadline. Make sure you get that legal advice, even if it means going beyond that deadline. Use the severance calculator. Call me. You don't like me, call someone else, but make sure you get legal advice. We've done shows before on independent contractors. What happens if uh, if one of them, you, if you're an independent contractor, uh, they're let go? Do they still get severance? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a good question because uh, it depends. 
Well, if you're let go and you really are an independent contractor, you may not. You probably don't get severance. The question is, are you really an independent contractor or really are you, in the eyes of the law, an employee? And as you know, John, and we've said on the show before, so many people, I'm going to go as far as saying most people, all right, that are considered or call themselves an independent contractor really are in the eyes of the law an employee because they work for a company exclusively, they've worked there for a while, they do all their work there, they get supervised by the company, maybe they have an office, so they are an employee of the company. So even though they, they invoice the company and even though the employer doesn't uh, deduct taxes from their pay, in the eyes of the law, they're employees, which means if they lose their job, they get the exact same amount of severance as every other employee. So to answer the question, do you get severance uh, if you're an independent contractor? I need to know if you really are an independent contractor. Uh, and, and, and if you are, okay, you don't get severance. If you're not, you absolutely get severance. I best, uh, I'm, I'm thinking employer employers rather that before they make somebody give them the label of independent contractor, they should probably contact you and make sure they're actually doing it correctly. Well, yeah, right? but I'll take it a step further, John. I'd say before you hire an mm. independent contractor, call me. Because if you're hiring an independent contractor, but that person really is an employee, guess what? You're actually entering into an illegal work arrangement because you're not going to comply with your obligations to withhold taxes and remit taxes, which is a problem. That's illegal. Uh, Even though uh, you call someone an independent contractor, it's not enough. Otherwise, everyone can be independent contractors. Why on earth would anyone ever be an employee. It's much easier to just be an independent contractor. So not only should you call me if you're about to let go of someone and you're not sure if in the eyes of the law they're an employee or an independent contractor, call me before you hire them. Let's have that discussion right off the bat and find out if the person that you're going to be hiring really will be an independent contractor or if really they're going to be an employee, in which case we have to do something different. 1-855-821-5900 one 821 5900 is that number, and Lior at employmenthour.com. When we return, get to a couple more emails here on the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Outside of show hours, the number to get a hold of Lior, very simple, one 821 5900 You can email as well, Lior at employmenthour.com. Promise we'll get to uh, a couple here. Sean uh, Wright says, I have uh, been given two choices. To reduce my hours significantly or to relocate from Toronto to Barrie. What are my rights? Yeah. So too much snow. Yeah. So, so choice one kind of sucks. Choice two sucks as well. Yeah. Uh, well, guess what? There's choice number three here. And that is you don't have to accept either of these options. You can, and if one of them gets imposed on you, you can simply treat that potentially as a constructive dismissal, like we were talking at the top of the show, mm-hmm. and get your severance. So really the choices are take a pay cut relocate to Barry or leave and get your full severance. Amongst those choices, he has to decide what's good for him. The problem, of course, with taking a pay cut is uh, that if, if despite that, a week, a month, a year later, he's let go, now he gonna, he's going to get less severance because the severance is calculated on the reduced salary. If he relocates to Barry, again, depending, maybe he has to move his family because the commute is too long. And if he's still let go, he's now relocated to Barry. That's a problem as well. He's got to buy snow tires. Yeah, snow tires, exactly. (laughs) Call Greg Carrasco. Yeah, right. Uh, But other than that, uh, John, uh, he may 
consider that leaving, getting his full severance and starting uh, fresh somewhere else may be the best option. We were uh, continuing talking about our uh, chat on uh, severance and termination, basic broad strokes here. Someone is uh, going to negotiate severance with their employer or even take you know, legal action. Is that person going to get paid in the meantime by the company? And how does that person survive until that severance is actually issued, depending on the amount or not depending on the amount, I guess? Yeah, very, very good question, John. And you know, the answer uh, can be a bit complicated, so I'll, I'll explain it in the, in the simplest ways that I can. There are certain amounts that the employer has to pay immediately, right away, irrespective of whether you've accepted your severance offer or, or rejected your severance offer. Now, those amounts, depending on the company, would be either a week's pay per year of service or two weeks pay per year of service, depending on, on a few factors. So those amounts have to be paid no matter what. It's the additional amounts, the amounts over and above those minimums, that usually are not going to get paid until we've reached a deal with respect to a severance offer. So is it possible that the employer pays you some money and in the meantime, while we're uh, negotiating, you're, you're not getting any income? Potentially. However, I'll say two things. Number one, it actually doesn't take long to resolve these disputes. Mm. So in most cases, we're able to resolve them while you're still getting paid by your former employer. So that's one. Second, certainly you can always apply for EI, employment insurance, so you could get paid EI in the meantime. So to me, John, honestly, being concerned about that, you know, do I get paid in the meantime, should never be an issue because if what's at stake is another $50,000, well, even if it means for two weeks you're not, you don't have any income coming in, but then we resolve it and you get an extra $50,000 yeah. that you're legally owed, well, that's worthwhile to do. Pot of gold at the end, right? So how about working through uh, you know, a temp or an employee, uh, employment agency? You're, you're hired through the placement agency or the employment agency. Is that agency now considered your employer? Yeah, and you know th- these things can uh, <clears throat> often get confusing. So you may be working for a company, but you're not really employed f- by them. You're employed by or through a, a placement agency, a temp agency. And the question is, who is your employer? Well, in the eyes of the law, both may be your employer. Both the temp agency and the company that you actually do the work for may be your employer. So they may, may means they both have obligations to you. That also means that if you get severance, they're both potentially on the hook for severance. Now, that doesn't mean you get to double up. It doesn't mean they both pay you severance, you get double the severance. But that means that as between the two of them, someone has to pay you severance. Uh, It's not as simple as for a company to say, well, you're not our employee. I know you've worked for us for five years every day, but we hired you through this temp agency. You're their employee. Again, otherwise, why would anyone have employees? Why would I ever have employees? I just hire them all through someone else. I don't have any obligations. Not that simple, obviously. Substance over form. If you work for someone regularly at their offices under their direction, you're their employee. There's really no exceptions to that. 1-855-821-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com for email. Can a person have more than one employer with respect to the same job? Yeah, exactly. One more than one employer. You can have two employers. Absolutely. We call that co-employment situations. Oftentimes we see that with a placement agency. Sometimes actually, by the way, it's, it's, it can be common, uh, common with uh, truckers. Uh, where uh, tr- you, you drive for a trucking company, you've been doing it for years, but you've been really hired through someone else. Uh, many other jobs as well. Actually, banks do that, believe it or not. They hire right. people uh, that uh, are hired through someone else and really on paper they're employed by, by an agency. Uh, in all those situations, both the agency and the company you actually do the work for can be your employer with respect to the very same job. What if that person, now I'll go a little deeper, uh, there's no taxes deducted and the person's considered an independent contractor? Yeah. Well, same thing we were talking about before. 
if you're not really an independent contractor, you are an employee, which means you get severance. You have the same rights as an employee. How do you know if you're really an independent contractor or an employee? Well, again, substance over form. Do you work exclusively for a company? If you do, you're probably an employee. Do you take direction from that company? If you do, you're probably an employee. Uh, do you work regular, regular hours? Do you use their materials and equipment? If you do, you're probably an employee. So it's not a question of do they deduct taxes from you. The fact that they're doing something illegal, which is not to deduct taxes when they're supposed to, doesn't mean you're not an employee. So uh, if you're an employee, then you have every right of an employee. That's especially true and that's especially an issue when you're let go, if you are let go, because now you are an employee, you get the same amount of severance, and the company may say, no, no, what are you talking about? You're an independent contractor. Right. We weren't withholding taxes, so we don't have to pay you severance. That would be wrong. That would be a wrongful dismissal. You want to get to an email? We'll get to one here in just a moment after we take a short break. Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. The number outside of show hours as well, one 821 5900 The Employment Hour. This is Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. We'll get to an email right off the top here, as promised, when we get back to the employment hour. Jeff writes in, Lior says, I'm a salesperson, have been with my company for 15 years. The first eight years, I was an independent contractor, and then I became an employee. I am 47 years old. How much severance should I be getting? Yeah, and, you know, very, very, obviously, he was listening to our show. Mm -hmm. So, if he's worked for 15 years, but technically only uh, the last seven as an independent contractor, well, guess what? I highly doubt that seven years ago, something really changed. He was probably in the eyes of the law an employee all along. And that's very common to see, that someone is technically, quote-unquote, an independent contractor, and then the company says, we're going to make you our employee. Nothing really changes. Your job's the same, pays the same, but now you're an employee. Well, guess what? You're an employee all along. So in this case, I would bet anything on the fact that uh, for legal purposes, Jeff really is a 15-year employee. So that means if he's 47 years old, uh, uh, as a salesperson after 15 years, yeah, he probably lo- is looking anywhere from uh, 14 to as much as 18 months of pay, depending on his income, uh, that, that he'd be owed in this situation. So a lot, of, a lot of compensation. His employer may treat him as a seven-year employee, but that would be wrong, uh, and that would be a wrongful dismissal again. So again, Jeff, unless you've been offered 14 to 16, 18 months pay, you should give me a call, and we can look at your severance offer together. You spoke about the, uh, you know, the uh, the conflict, at least the, the pitfalls of paying severance and hiring through an employment agency. So why would a company hire an employer indirectly through an employment agency? What's the point? Well, you know, th- there's certainly not as much point as a, as a, the employer may think. They may think that it uh, relieves them of obligations to that person. So let's just hire someone else. But as we've said, that that line of reasoning doesn't hold. It's not the case. If you have someone working for you regularly, they're your employee. A reason why you may want to hire in some situation through an agency is if you have an arrangement with that agency that if things don't work out, they'll find someone else. They'll be responsible for severance. Fine. Uh, but don't assume that that's going to relieve you from your obligations if things don't go right. Uh, and if, by the way, if that uh, agency uh, goes belly up, as many do, many are kind of fly-by-night operations, uh, then you're still left with an employee and you have obligations to that employee. You can't say, well, you know, you work for the agency, not for us. They're gone. That's not our problem, so we don't have to pay you anything. And at that point, they're responsible for your severance, yeah? They are responsible for your severance. Uh, and so in many of those situations, both the agency and the company that the person works for is responsible for that severance. And those companies that do hire employees through uh, placement agencies, what can they do to protect themselves? 
Well, the best thing, if you're a company uh, that hi- ha- is going to have people working for it, hired through someone else, you, you want to have a really good arrangement agreement in writing with that agency that uh, stipulates what happens if you're not happy with the employee, uh, you know, that, uh, or if you have to let the employee go, for, whatever, for any reason, business reasons or otherwise, you want to make sure that that agency assumes the responsibility. That uh, even though at law, the responsibility may be yours as well, the agency says, hey, don't worry mm-hmm. about it. We'll take care of it. So that relieves you of obligations, but also make sure you research uh, your, the agency. Make sure you don't just go with a fly-by-night operation. You work with a company that's been in business for many years, that's reputable. Uh, that's probably the best advice I can give. one 821 5900 is Lior's number outside of show hours, too. Is right in his hip and Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Jeannie writes in, says, I suspect that my boss is... Uh, Having a relationship with a coworker of mine, he gives her preferential treatment uh, along the lines of the most hours, longer breaks, preference for his vacation. Is there something I can do about it? Yeah, no, it's a, it's an interesting situation. Certainly, that is uh, improper in the workplace. That actually, in itself, could be a human rights violation if you're not treated as well as someone else because you're not having sex with the boss and someone else is having sex with the boss, that is a human rights violation. So my best advice uh, for Jeannie in this situation would be to see if you can talk to someone higher up, an HR manager, another uh, uh, senior executive in the company, and express that concern. Uh, now, if, if this is a small company and you know the boss is the boss and there's no one else, uh, you, you have a choice to make. You can continue working in these situations or you may be able to treat that as a constructive dismissal. The fact that you're you know, being uh, treated less favorably because you're not sleeping with the boss, not only is it a human rights violation, it could be a constructive dismissal. So there are legal means to pursue this. You have to make that choice. Usually, though, as a first step at least, I would try to resolve that matter internally as best as possible. Is there ways that employee or, or things that employee should do to start to you know, accumulate proof if they go at it with them? Yeah, certainly. If you're going to make a formal complaint about your boss or about anyone else, a coworker, you need to have your ducks in a row. You need to be able to, to establish it. I, I would expect that in most cases the party that's being accused will deny it. So, yes, if, if there's ways to corroborate either through documents or witnesses, uh, I don't know, in, in any other way, yeah, you have to do that. You should really do your homework. Uh, otherwise, uh, it could be a he said, she said, which is never a, uh, never a good thing. Photographs, video. Uh, <laughs> the number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Let's talk a little bit about hiring new employees. So uh, what can an employer ask? In it? This kind of will dovetail this from the last one. But what can an employer ask in an interview and what's considered, you know, taboo during that interview? Yeah, and, you know, Still, in this day and age, what I'm about to say should be obvious, but it's still surprising to me that for some employers, it's not. So generally speaking, questions should be limited to the job and and the person's ability and qualification to do the job. Uh, And what you have to absolutely stay away from is anything that could be considered or or, uh, maybe lead to grounds for discrimination. So for example, you shouldn't be asking someone whether they plan on having more kids you shouldn't be asking. That's some- probably a very common question without even knowing it. Oh yeah, and, and it's wrong, wrong, wrong. You don't, and you don't, you don't find creative ways uh, to, to to get around it. Uh, you know, like oh, uh, did you and your kids? Uh, you ever take construct vacation? a backyard playground? Yeah, you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you, you, you can't. You certainly shouldn't uh, ask someone about. Uh, uh, you know, medical conditions uh, until after you've made an offer and only to, to see, make sure they could do the job. Uh, you know, you shouldn't ask them about their ethnic background. Uh, even though you may think you're just you know, having conversation or making conversation, that could be a human rights violation because mm-hmm. it may seem like you're trying to differentiate between pe- people, 
based on prohibited grounds. You know, obviously, questions about sexual orientation, none of those are appropriate. First Religion, of all, have, all that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. First of all, they have nothing to do with the job. So it's irrelevant whether someone is uh, uh, Muslim or Jewish and irrelevant whether someone is gay or straight for the job. Uh, unless, of course, you're, you're hiring someone to teach at a, at, a, at a Jewish school when they need to be Jewish, so fine. Mm-hmm. But short of that, no. Uh, and, and it's a human rights violation. You're not allowed to ask these types of questions. Uh, it can be seen as discriminatory. So if you ask someone if they're going to have kids and later on you decide not to hire them for maybe legitimate reasons, it still looks like maybe you right. didn't hire them because they told you they're going to have kids and you didn't want that. So it's a bad idea. Never do that. You can ask questions, though. You can do it at uh, Lior at employmenthour.com. That is the email we're using at one 821 5900 We'll get to more of our hiring new employees and things to ask and be aware of right here on the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The number to get a hold of Lior is 1-855-821-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. We were uh, finishing our discussion at the end of uh, last segment about hiring new employees. So what can an employee do if he feels that they were they were not hired for an improper reason, like we discussed about race, religion, and otherwise? Yeah, so you know, if, if you, uh, you did go to an interview and you think maybe they were – and by the way, another example is age. You really shouldn't right. – you should be careful. Age, age discrimination is a big issue. But if you feel that the reason you didn't get a job is because of a prohibited ground, because of your age or your race or ethnicity or uh, uh, maybe uh, religion, et cetera, then y- your recourse in that case is to file a human rights complaint. And we actually uh, were successful uh, in that situation like that about a year, year and a half ago, where someone was not hired because of age discrimination. The problem always is going to be very difficult to establish this. So if you didn't get a job and you feel it's because of your age, you know, it's going to be tough to, to prove that that's why. Uh, but in many cases, that, that certainly is possible. So my best advice, again, with respect to these issues, either give me a call or you can contact the Human Rights Commission uh, here in Ontario to give some uh, more rights, uh, more information about your rights, uh, because that is really the only recourse. It's a human rights issue. Is there uh, pitfalls or, or warnings you would give for either employees or employers that are working with headhunters? Yeah, you know, with respect to headhunters, the, 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 the biggest issue for the employers is you don't know, number one, uh, what the person was told about the job. You don't know what the headhunter had to do to get them on side. So if the person uh, that you're going to hire had a secure job, they weren't looking to leave, the headhunter found them and made them all these wonderful, grandiose promises, uh, and uh, some of them may not be true, uh, but uh, you may then be held responsible for these promises even though you didn't make them. So you want to always make sure with the headhunter what, in fact, uh, what can be said, what cannot be said. Uh, and you also want to ensure that when you sign an employment agreement with the employee, and by the way, you always, always have to have an employment agreement with an employee that you hire, that you make it clear that other than what's in this employment agreement, we haven't made you any other promises. I have mm-hmm. to say that in writing. Because wh- where these things come up is the headhunter works really hard to recruit someone, uh, take him away from another job, you uh, employ them, then you let them go after a while because it didn't work out, and then you find out, wait a second, because the employ- the, the headhunter recruited them, you may be liable for their seniority with the previous company. Inducement, right? Yeah, inducement. So uh, we don't want that. We, we certainly want to be careful. So we have to have uh, very clear terms with the headhunter of what can be said and what cannot be said as well as a good airtight employment agreement with the person we're hiring. So an employee or an upcoming employee was just made an offer. What should they look for in that offer letter? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we can, we can do a whole show just about this, and I think maybe we even have before. But there's a few things. Number one is you want to see if there's any term in there 
that uh, impacts your future severance. You want to see if there's a term that limits the amount of severance you would get in the future. Oftentimes these days, you'll see an employment agreement that tries to uh, limit that entitlement, and that could be significant. That could be the difference down the road between getting uh, six weeks pay and 12 months pay or, or more. That's tens of thousands of dollars. So you may sign an employment agreement not realizing that you've just guaranteed that this agreement will cost you tens of thousands of dollars at some point. Another thing to look for is are there terms in the agreement that allow the employer, the employer to change your job? Uh, we, I've always talked about the fact that an employer cannot reduce your uh, pay, cannot relocate you or demote you, unless, of course, the employment agreement gives them that power. On the outset, yeah. So if you sign an agreement that says, employee, we have a right to change your job, we have the right, the right to change your compensation, guess what? Your job today may not be your job tomorrow. Your salary today may not be your salary tomorrow. So that's something to watch out mm-hmm. for. Something else to watch out for, is there a non-competition obligation? Uh, In many cases, it's not enforceable, but you still have to be very careful because your employer may try to enforce it. So you don't want to sign a contract that the the net effect of that is this. Uh, We can change your job at any time uh, and pay at any time, let you go at any time and pay you nothing. And if that happens, you can't work in the industry for two years. That is a bad contract right there. That's a huge contract. And most people are not going to look at those things. They're going to look at their salary and say, you know, let's negotiate an extra $2,000 a year. Not realizing that if you agree to these other bad terms, that extra $2,000 a year in the big scheme of things is meaningless. 1-855-821-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. So for an employer, how do you give yourself time to evaluate new employees? Maybe you've gone through a complete, you know, interview process of 50 people, right? Yeah. And, you know, the reality is, John, until you have someone coming in and working, you don't know if they're going to be any good, if they're going to fit in, if they could do what you want. Even though you may have done five rounds of interviews and they come highly referred. Uh, so how do you give yourself that time and, and give yourself the flexibility to let them go if things mm-hmm. don't work out? Well, you have to have a proper agreement in place that builds in a probationary term. You want to give yourself probation. Usually that's three months that gives you that time to evaluate, assess them, and if you need to, you can let them go during that period of time without paying them anything. A lot of employers assume that there's just this automatic probation of three months. No, there's no automatic probation. Probation has to be a creature of contract. It has to be created by contract. So you have to have an employment agreement that provides for that. So that's the best way you can uh, allow yourself to evaluate the person Uh, And if it doesn't work out, you have that three months to make a change without having to pay any compensation, but the agreement has to say that. If the employee is on probation, is there any right to severance if they lose the job? So usually in the first three months, an employer can let someone go without any compensation as long as the employment agreement says that. So if the employment agreement says in the first three months you're on probation and we don't have to pay you anything, then for that period of time, they can be let go without any compensation. That cannot be longer than three months. So if the agreement says in the first four months or six months, we can let you go without any compensation, that's illegal. That's not worth the paper. It's written on. So uh, be mindful of that. Wrap it up today with the severance pay calculator. We mentioned it. We'll mention it again. You lost your job. You're worried about losing your job. You want to simply know how much you're owed. Go to severancepaycalculator.com. Input your information. It's uh, a few seconds. It's completely free and anonymous. And you'll find out right there how much you are owed. If you know anyone that lost your job, your friend, your family, uh, tell them to go to severancepaycalculator.com. Spread the word. Uh, We've had hundreds of thousands of people use it. We're very proud of it. Uh, And I think that should be the first thing 
anyone ever does as soon as they lose their job. Till next time, 1-855-821-5900 is Lior's direct contact and emails Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.